All right. That's our text for this morning. Um, I thought I'd just start with a zebra fact, just to keep us on, on, uh, on point. Zebras are really good climbers. Didn't know that. Had to look it up. Um, but they're really good climbers. So if you want to have a look, Google zebras climbing, and I'm sure you'll see them climbing up uh, the side of mountains. I thought it'd be fun. Hey, we've had a really good morning this morning. I love just how... We love the name of Jesus. We love the person of Jesus in this church, and it's been so evident just right from minute one this morning. And it's, it's, it work, It should always fit with our preaching. Um, it's helpful to say that. But this morning, we're really going to be focusing in on how this story shows us Jesus. That's what my focus is for us this morning. And so, like I said at the start, we're in week two. Um, back in Genesis, if you've been around for a while, we have done three other series in Genesis. Um, anyone remember what any of them are called for a prize that I don't have and doesn't exist? We've done the end of the world as we know it, reboot, and the promise endures. So we've been making our way through Genesis in sections, um, uh, and we kind of find ourselves at the back uh, end of Genesis, looking mainly at Joseph. Uh, If you know your Bibles, you'll know that he is kind of a key uh, focus point for us in this section. It's not all about him. There's little bits that don't, uh, but mainly it's focused around his life. And we're looking at what God is doing beneath the surface, hence the buried Uh, the name of the series. We're looking for what God is doing underneath, outside of what we obviously see straight away, um, when we see that God is, maybe we don't see where he's doing something, or maybe we feel like everything's going wrong. Where are we finding uh, what God is doing in this scenario? And so we see it physically in this story, when we talk about being buried, gets chucked in a pit, can't get much more uh, physical in terms of the pre, uh, previewing that for us, but in other ways, there's more subtle moments. So we're going to be exploring those together over the next few weeks or so. Um, but what this scripture does for us this morning is points us to the richness and the depth of scripture. Actually, Hebrews says that the word of God is living and it is active. And so when we open it and we read it and we study it and we consider it, uh, that's when we should start to see, hear and understand things that we may never have seen before. Some of you have read the Bible for decades and decades and decades, and I truly believe there's so much more for us. There's more buried in the text for us to find and release as we work our way through this. Um, So do study it. Don't just take my word for it. Uh, Don't just take whoever's preaching to us in 30 minutes. Um, Actually, take time for yourself. Get yourself a good commentary. Work your way through it. Come expectant of what you're going to hear and what you're going to learn and bring stuff to that as well in your small group and in your relationships with others in the site. Um, And like I said, you've probably heard us talk about Jesus a few times in this church, I hope, um, and actually how scripture all points and focuses in to him. And so what I want to do this morning is to do that. Um, We see it all over scripture because Jesus should be in all areas of our lives. It's not just on this page, but not for a few chapters and then on this. Actually, he's involved in every area of our lives and he wants to be so integral to that. And we should want that for ourselves. And so what we're seeing in this moment particularly is kind of a look forward. Um, In 2009, long time ago, uh, there was a series called Flash Forward. Did anyone actually watch that? Um, no, I watched, uh, they only did one series and they cancelled it, but basically what happens is everyone passes out, sees a glimpse of the future, wakes up, and then they have to try and work out how they're going to navigate the next few months and years of their lives. Or maybe you're into like kind of murder mystery or crime series and you kind of see this pattern of behaviour and it leads to the same outcome and they're trying to solve it. It's a similar thing for us. We're looking at descriptions and stories in the Bible that point us to who Jesus is. 
Um, there's a really good book called Storylines um, that it basically does this for us. Um, it's only a little book, and there's a few moments where it says, hey, read this part of the Bible, now read this part of the Bible. Can you see how they're helping us to understand the word in more detail? So I recommend just stick it into Amazon. Um, it's a good book. But it's not just about spotting it and going, yeah, that's cool, I found a, found a power. Like, it's more than that. It's about it being so key to our understanding of faith, to believing in what the Bible is all about and how important it is for us. So that is what we're going to do this morning through these handful of verses um, of a brother being thrown into a pit. So let me pray, and then we'll jump into it. Father God, thank you so much that uh, you love to speak to us, that, you'd be, that you're here with us this morning by your Holy Spirit. And I just pray for our hearts. Would you uh, steady our hearts this morning? Would we be open to hearing and, and learning new things about you? Would you help us to see Jesus and be so caught up and in awe of who he is this morning as we work our way through this text and as we continue to worship uh, with, with our songs later? I pray, would you do that in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, what are the storylines here? Some of you will probably picked up on a few um, along the way, but I'm going to try and uh, kind of narrow in on a few. So we see Joseph as a kind of type of Jesus. Uh, he kind of points us towards Jesus. There are other people in the Bible, David, Esther, Job. There's moments in kind of their stories that you start to see some of Jesus um, in them. Um, but they're kind of subtle in areas, but obvious in others. I'd say this is an obvious one for us as we work through it. Um, but it's really important to just stress the difference between, in this scenario, Joseph and Jesus. We see a really similar kind of parallel story, but in Joseph we see flaws, in Jesus we see perfection. And so we look and learn from Joseph's story, but also actually with Jesus we look at the one who got this right, who was perfect, who didn't have these flaws. And so that's what we're doing. But before we do that, 11 verses we've missed out of chapter 37. Um, let me just quickly tell you what happens. Uh, Joseph is loved by his dad more than his other brothers. You heard about this coat of many colors. He gets given that. Um, and then he starts to have these dreams. And these dreams are of all his brothers bowing down to him. So can you imagine this scene? He comes out in the morning. He's got his really fancy coat, loads of colors on it. looks amazing. And he says, um, by the way, you're all going to bow down to me one day. Do you know that? You're all going to, look, me and my fancy coat, because my dad loves me more than you, you're all going to bow down to me one day. Now, there's a time and place. That's not it. You've just been given this coat. You've had this dream. There's a maturity element of working out how you're going to present this to your brothers and how you're going to talk about it. It's not with your fancy coat five minutes after you've been given it, shoving it in your brother's face. So there's a maturity element straight away in Joseph that we think, oh, you might have just missed the mark here um, in that moment. And so you can imagine that didn't go down well. They already didn't like him. Um, and so actually... Uh, as we look at the next part of this story, we know that there's a jealousy, there's a, there's a hatred of Joseph uh, already from day one um, in this story. And so as we work our way through this, there's that, that is kind of painting over the top of what we see here. So first and foremost, right at the beginning, we see Joseph with his dad. He's with his father while his brothers are in the fields. Straight away, you're like, he's at home, he's warm, he's got a fancy coat all the food, all the wine he could ever want. His, his brothers are out in the freezing cold looking after the sheep. So that's already a problem uh, for them. Um, but then his, his dad says, right, go find the brothers, make sure they're okay. And so I don't know about you, but you sat in the warm, you look outside in a day like today and say, right, can you just go out there for me and check that the people who don't really like you are okay. Don't know if you're going to be motivated to do that, um, but he's obedient. 
The father gives him a task and he's obedient. Hopefully you see where I'm going with this. Uh, we look at Jesus, obedient to the father. It's not just about going out in the rain and crossing the fields. He left heaven to come to earth for us. 1 John 4, the father has sent the son. And so we see this parallel of obedience to a father right at the offset. Um, one in an extreme level and one in a kind of wet and windy level. Um, but we look at Jesus who left the riches and the goodness of heaven to come to earth for us. And so we see this parallel right at the beginning. Then Joseph goes wandering. Right, I'm going to go find them. I looked up kind of the distances to try and understand this. It's about 50 miles he walks. It's here to London. Take you about a day um, on your own. So he wanders, gets there. They're not there. What do you do? Get to the field, they're not there. Well, I came, they weren't there. I'm going home. Nope, he find, a random bloke finds him and says, oh, they've gone that way, about another 15 miles. I start here to Lewis. Off he goes, trots off, find his brothers, wandering to find and search out the people he's been sent to do. And we see this in Jesus. Um, in Matthew 8, it talks about how he didn't have a place to rest his head. He was always on the move, finding people, trying to find new people, teach them about why he's come, talk to them. He would go to the extent to find individuals and not just, oh, there's no, I'm just going to come here and if you come to me, that's great. He went searching and searching and searching for people, always on the move, didn't give up until he completed his task. And so there's a parallel there for us. And then having walked 65 miles, what's that? I know, day and a half um, with a break. He gets there, and his brothers see him coming, and they're like, let's get him. He's not even got there yet. They see him in the distance, right, we're having him, straight away. So he arrives, and they don't want him there. In fact, it's before he arrives. They've got like, you've got to imagine they kind of see him in the distance, so they've got a bit of time to figure out um, what they're going to do when he arrives. And we see it in Jesus, John 1. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. So immediately, Jesus comes to us, and he is rejected. And so we see another parallel in there. And then it goes beyond that. It's not just they didn't want him there. The brothers decide they're going to kill him, or they're going to sell him, or they have a bit of an argument about it. Um, and we see that as well with Jesus. He heals a guy's hand, a withered hand, and then straight away the Pharisees decide to go and hold a council uh, against him. How are we going to destroy him? That's the phrase that's used. So you've got these, these two extreme uh, moments where not only has Jesus come to save us, to save you, we've then rejected him straight away. And so there's a big moment in that for us. And then we heard God gave Joseph dreams and he was mocked for it. Jesus comes as a king and he is mocked for it. On the cross, he is mocked for it. If he is really the king, he could get himself down. That's thrown at him, thrown back in his face. Joseph has this thrown back in his face. And then after all of that, Joseph stripped and thrown into a pit. And we know of Jesus taken down from the cross and buried in a tomb. And so that often the pit in the Bible is kind of linked in with death. And so we've got these, this kind of two stories parallel uh, running through. One, uh, we don't, one in Joseph uh, and one in Jesus. And so we see the flaws in some of Joseph's actions and we see the perfection in Jesus' actions for you, for us, for me. That is what we're seeing as we work through this. And there are others. There's loads in there. Uh, the fact that he's sold, 
the blood on the, on the coat, the fact that it was torn. There's lots of symbolic kind of moments for us to draw parallels in. But what I really want us to look at and understand this morning is how much we see Jesus in the Bible. It's all throughout Scripture. It's so deep for us as we work through it. So I'm going to pick two kind of key little moments for us, um, for us to kind of open up. Um, the first one is that uh, when God sent Joseph... So though his dad sent him out, God kind of ordained this moment to send Joseph ahead of time to save lives. Psalm 105 talks about this moment. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all the supply of bread, he sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. He knew there was going to be a need for life. He knew there was going to be a famine. He knew there was going to be this moment, and so he sent Joseph ahead. I don't know if you'd point if you'd laid out this story to Joseph ahead of time and said, "Hey, just so you know, this is how it's all going to happen." Whether quite whether he would have gone through with it, um, but God knew what was coming, and He knew there would be someone who needed to save lives and bring new life. And the parallels in there for us, we look at Jesus. He knew He actually knew what He was coming into. Yet He still went through it for you. He knew what it was going to take for Him to give up His life for you yet he still continued to go through it for you. Psalm 40 says, He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire, set my feet on solid ground, steadied me as I walked along, gave me a new song, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. There's like steps in there. So he lifted us out. I take that. Then he puts us on solid ground. Then he walks with us and he gives us a new song. It's not just about getting you out of the first moment. It's about restoring you, giving you new life and sending you out with that. And so there's a moment for us in there as we consider what it looks like for us. Actually, we are being taken out of this moment because of Jesus, because of what he has done. The one who actually knows what it's like to go to the pit. The one who understands what it's like to be separated, to go through that moment. He's the one that lifts us out. He's the one that chases us down. He's the one that comes to find us, to find you, to understand you, and to give you that new life. That is what Jesus came to do. It might sound really simple, but it's so important to us. We can get used to hearing this kind of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll go through this every... But man, the gospel is amazing. It should bring you new life. I'm not going to try and convince you of that this morning, I want you to know this for yourself. I want you to lean in, to seek Jesus, to ask the Holy Spirit to make it really clear and obvious to you that you would experience this for yourself. We can explain it every single week to you, but we're trusting that right now, even in this moment, the Holy Spirit is doing good to your hearts, that he's opening your eyes to certain areas of life that will do you good going forward. And that is, that is what it is. God is designing things for good. Where we design them for evil, God designs them for good. And we see that as our second kind of section. I don't want to give too many spoilers because we're going to get there. Uh, Genesis 50. Uh, Joseph's kind of, uh, kind of speaking to his brothers in this moment. And he says, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You meant evil against me. God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be alive as they are today. Joseph knew that what he'd been sent to do was going to bring life, to save lives and to uh, preserve lives. 
And so the brothers look at this moment, we read it, here he comes, what are we going to do to him? Come on, evil, evil deed, what are we going to do to him? He's our brother, but what are we going to do? How are we going to get rid of him? So in that sinful act, the sale of Joseph, God used it for good. It was designed for good. In getting rid of this dreamer that they throw, this kind of phrase at him, by getting rid of the dreamer, the dreams come true. They fulfill his dreams. God using an evil moment for good. And it's really important that we don't see this as I, uh, I think there's a difference between God designing this for good and, you, and knowing it and God thinking, oh, that caught me out. I guess I'm going to try and spin this one to make it better. There's a real big difference. There's a freedom here of choice and, and we've made this bad choice. It's a sinful moment and God, God designs that sinful moment for good. There's a real subtle difference, but it's really important. In the sinful act of the brothers, they're designing evil. In the sinful act, God is designing good. He's not just making the best of a bad scenario. He's designed this moment for good. I don't think I have to do too many lines for you to find the parallel here. What people used for evil against Jesus, God had designed for good. It wasn't, oh, no, he's on the cross. What am I going to do next? I guess I'll turn this into something. It's like, no, I know this is going to happen, and I've designed this moment for the good of the people, for the good of all of us. And that's what we're seeing in this scenario. So his death and his resurrection meant for evil, designed for evil, releases goodness for us. Designed for good. So that many people, as we've just kind of seen in the Joseph part in uh, chapter 50, brings new life. So this moment that looks horrendous, and it, it is, and it's an awful thing, actually God says, here's the good. Here's the good. I knew this was happening. Here's what it means for you. Here's new life for you. And you need to know that. If you're not a Christian, that, that is why we do what we do. We want you to know that through those moments, Jesus came and did this for you. If you are a Christian, he came and did this for you. Don't ever forget it. Don't get used to it. Don't get caught up with being used to the gospel. Let it inspire you. Let it stir you for worship in those moments. And so why do we have these two examples and many, many more? I'm sure we'll see loads to come. But it points us, as I said, to something greater than Joseph. It's bigger than Joseph. It's a fun story for us to work through and understand a guy and his life and what God's doing, but it's bigger, 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 bigger than that. We need to get hold of that. We live on this side of the cross. We live on this so we can see back and understand all of what happened before and what happened afterwards. And so for us, we learn a lot from it looking at Joseph, but we learn so much more when we look at Jesus. Don't get caught up in looking at Joseph. Get caught up in seeing Joseph as a kind of as a type of Jesus, not the perfect, but as a type of Jesus that points us there. Jesus, the point of history, the cornerstone. The thing in Colossians 1, it says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's the one we're talking about. Joseph doesn't hold all things together. You could probably say the opposite of him. It all goes, all goes to pot for him. Um, but Jesus is the one that holds all things together. He's the one that gave up his life for you. And so the Bible uses stories and people to keep pointing us constantly to Jesus. If you hear someone preach and they make it all about Joseph, leave. Genuine, like, it's about Jesus. 
I want you to know, like, if you hear nothing else, it's all about Jesus this morning. Okay, I want you to know that. As you read your Bibles, as you study it, I want you to know that. Let me give you an example. Um, who, Piano, have you seen a really good film recently? Four people. Excellent. I thought there'd be a few more. Um, I think, Piano, have you seen a really bad film recently? Uh, there's more of those. Okay, so if you see a really good film... You, come, you go to a small group or you chat with someone you're like, hey, I saw this really, really good film. You should watch it. So what do you do? There's a, few, there's a few things you could do. One is you don't trust their film choice and you say thanks very much and move on. Um, but more likely you'll go home and maybe watch the trailer. A couple of minutes. Oh, it looks interesting. You wouldn't then go back to them and say, I watched it, amazing. Three minutes, amazing film, three minutes. Loved it. Best film I've ever seen. Some of us have got that attention span, so it might help us. But you won't have experienced the fullness of what it is, the fullness of that film. It's only when we sit and watch, depending on your attention span, a four-hour Lord of the Rings movie or something, maybe shorter, that you experience everything the director intended. Everything, the characters, the storylines, the backstories, the history, what's coming. You know, we, as a, when you watch a film, you get kind of two sides of the story leading up to a moment. Some of you are clever and you can work out what's coming. Um, but then you go and tell other people, hey, Tom, have you seen this? I'll watch this. Someone told me about it. You should watch it. He watched it. Someone else told And this kind of spreads around. And before long, next time I stand up here in a month's time and say, who's watched a really good film recently? I want to see every hand because we're all talking about it. But it's like that here. We look at Joseph as a trailer of what is to come in Jesus. There's a glimpse here. If all you do is look at Joseph, you're missing out on the fullness of Jesus Christ. Full stop. There's a kind of, I'm not even going to, there's no argument there. You're missing out. There's a fullness and a richness here in the Bible for you that if you, all you do is study uh, Joseph and then go, that was really cool. I really enjoyed reading about Joseph. You've literally missed the whole point of this story. You've missed it. Experiencing Jesus Christ is what we're trying what we're pointing you to through this. So what we've done in other series gone by, we look and we understand flaws in certain people, in Joseph, in others, um, and then we look at Jesus and think, wow, look at what he has done. Look at what he has done for me. And so reading these, I don't, when I first read the scripture, I was like, oh gosh, what, what are we doing? What, how am I gonna, what am I going to do here? But by the end of it, of studying it, I was so caught up with what Jesus has done for me. It stirred my heart because actually when I looked at it and thought, Joseph, he did pretty well, generally speaking. He's done all right. Um, Jesus has done amazing. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is better. Jesus has done more. And so if, if I could be impressed by what Joseph has done, how much more for Jesus? And it's important for us, sometimes we can kind of maybe live in the past. Like I said, we get used to hearing about the gospel. Yeah, I remember that. And we get used to it. A bit like if you're flicking through Netflix for three hours, you've got a four-hour break, you flick for three hours trying to find a film because there's nothing decent. And you see a little thumbnail of a film you watched ages ago, and you're like, oh, I remember that. That was good. And then you move on. I don't want that for you. I don't want these moments as we look through Genesis to be like, oh, yeah, that was good. I remember Jesus. That's not what we want. We want new experiences. We want you to not just live on the past, which is important, but to live in the good of it today going forward. Be reminded of Jesus and continue to find new experiences in him. We should never think we've completed that. There's new things for us all the time. And so as we read Joseph's story, allow the Holy Spirit to draw your attention 
to Jesus, to point you to Jesus, to show you Jesus as we go through this. He's the good shepherd who comes looking for you across many, 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 many fields. Think Joseph walked a long way. Put a steps counter on Jesus, you'll see how far he actually walked. He kept going. And we read about um, stories and metaphors and imagery of Jesus searching out the lost sheep, coming to find, like he continues and continues and continues to come and find you, his brothers and his sisters. He searches you out. He knows you. And even better, he doesn't give up until he finds you. And bigger than that, he doesn't give up on your situation. We've heard a few things this morning about maybe walking through difficult seasons. He hasn't given up on you. You're not too far away. He hasn't walked the 50 miles and now he can't be bothered to walk the 15. He'd walk that over and over and over and over and over for you. He doesn't give up on you. Your finances, your health, your family, your relationships, your job, your house. He's not given up on these moments. If I said to you, what, what, we've all got it. What's the most difficult thing in your life right now? I'm not going to ask you to shout out. That thing, that first thing, that you've probably buried back in your mind somewhere, he's bringing to the surface this morning, saying, I've not given up on that. I'm going to continue to search and search and search for you. I'm going to go 65 miles and above to find it, to find a solution for you. The thing that you feel has been designed for evil, he's designed for good. Joseph didn't see it straight away. Do you think if I'd said that, if someone had shouted, don't worry, this is good, while he's at the bottom of that pit, he would have felt that way. But he sees and trusts And his hope is in the long-term plan that God has for him. He's had these dreams. He's waiting for them. Some of you have had dreams, prophetic words, visions, things that you're holding on to in life that you're thinking, as if I'm at the bottom of a pit. How on earth am I ever going to have people bowing down to me? I'm the lowest of the low in this moment. But I'm here to say, hey, trust in him. As John said this morning, where is your trust? Is it in your ability to climb yourself out? Or is it in the one who lifted us out of the pit, set us on solid ground, walks with us and gives us a new song? Where is your trust this morning? That's what I want for us right now. The band are going to come up. We're going to worship in a minute. But we see in Jesus someone who is obedient to the Father, obedient to the point of death for you. He suffered to bring you freedom. He endured the pit to bring you life. He made himself nothing to bring you fullness and he was buried so you can be lifted up. That's who we're coming to this morning. The one who brings grace and mercy, the one who brings goodness, the one who has a plan for us, the one who loves us and will keep loving us regardless of where we're at. So I don't know where you're at this morning, whether you know Jesus, whether you've known Jesus or never known Jesus, this is for you. Please, please, please keep getting caught up with who Jesus is. Don't get used to it. Don't slide through life thinking this is nice. Get caught up with him. See him in every moment of life. It's, not, it's easy for me to say. It's not easy for me to do. Let me be really clear. Just because I'm saying it doesn't mean I do it all the time. But we have relationships, small groups, friendships that help us to say, let's pray together, let's walk this together, let's support each other as we go through it. Because if we keep pointing each other to Jesus, it will do us good. I'm not even going to argue with you on that. So that is what we believe in this church. We will continue to preach it and continue to teach as we go through it. So why don't we stand together, let me pray, and then we're going to sing together.
Lord Jesus, I thank you that you that you endured the pit for us, that you know what it is to be in the depths of despair, yet still lift us up. You did it for us. You didn't give up. You didn't back down. You're obedient to the Father. We're so thankful for that this morning. So I pray, Holy Spirit, just as we worship together now, as we go through the rest of our weeks, this wouldn't just be one of those nice moments, uh, but it would be there would be a depth to what we go into. There would be things that are buried in our hearts, in our minds, in our dreams that we've put to one side that you will bring to the surface right now. I pray for those moments that we look at and think, I just don't see what God is doing. I pray, help us to be a community that loves on one another, that supports one another, that shows Jesus to one another. Um, As we walk through life, as we battle difficulty, uh, we would see what you're designing for good, Lord Jesus. And so I pray for it. Pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray, help us, help our hearts. As we continue to look through this Genesis story, I pray, help us to understand what it is to look beyond that and look at Jesus. We pray that in your mighty name. Amen.